This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Wednesday night edition of the BOL Pod. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, coming to you following the Alabama Crimson Tide Men's basketball team's first SEC loss of the season. The Crimson Tide goes down 68-59 to at the Summit at Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville. The host Vols got the game the Vols like. It was a patented, trademarked Rick Barnes rock fight as Alabama held to a season low in points. Still hasn't given up 70 or more in SEC play. Alabama hasn't, but it all still adds up to the first conference defeat for Nate Oates' team of the 2022-2023 campaign. And really, if you want to go to a couple of stats that explain what happened up in East Tennessee on Wednesday night, well, I think you could go to points off turnovers where Tennessee had a wide edge at 26-2 in favor of the Vols. And then points in the paint, Tennessee 28, Alabama 12, in the paint, that was a reversal from a year ago when these teams met in Tuscaloosa. Alabama outscored the balls by 24 in the paint at Coleman Coliseum. And that one, different game this time around. And Alabama with the 19 turnovers, that's obviously the storyline for the Crimson Tide. Credit Tennessee with that defense that Rick Barnes' teams have been known to play throughout the years. I know Alabama fans weren't happy with some of the calls. The bottom line is this. Alabama is too good of a basketball team to put all of it or even just a bunch on the officials. you got to be able to still get it done in situations like Wednesday night. I think Big picture-wise, this can be a good experience for Alabama, especially with a Texas A&M team down the road in College Station that is going to offer up a similar kind of challenge with an emphasis on banging, physical play, playing through contact, dealing with maybe some not-so-favorable whistles. And look, if there's a complaint, I think everyone would agree. It's still the block charge scenarios that we see in college basketball because kind of like what is a catch in the NFL, I don't think anyone knows what a block or a charge is uh, in college basketball because as we saw in the second half, a couple of charge calls on Alabama and then you get a Jaden Bradley drive to the bucket where it looked more like a charge than the previous two calls against Alabama. One of those calls, Alabama had actually turned the corner, all right, and gets called for a charge. To me, if you give up what is essentially a blow-by, there is no chance to to draw a charge. That goes out the window, uh, but it, it still happened uh, at Tennessee. And yeah, you knew what was coming if you're Alabama. The one thing I would say about that, though, is that for, again, similar to the Auburn game in some ways, in that there was newness there in taking on a Bruce Pearl team, especially on the road, similar to what Alabama experienced at Tennessee on Wednesday night with 
Mark Sears and Jaden Bradley and um, you know some of those guys, Ryan Griff, Rylan Griffin, uh, some of the Alabama players that hadn't experienced this style of play from Tennessee in the past. So again, I think it can be beneficial for down the road if Alabama sees Tennessee maybe in the SEC tournament. Uh, certainly, again, when you see Texas A&M, who, you know, sitting here watching this right now as I record this podcast, there's 43 seconds left in the first half of this Arkansas-Texas A&M game. A&M stuck on 21 points. So the Aggies can be offensively challenged at times as well. But, you know, you figured certainly with Alabama taking on that number one ranking going into Knoxville, not that Alabama hasn't been seeing other teams' best shot this season as it is, but the stakes went up, and as much as anything, this was a Tennessee team absolutely in desperation mode after having its hearts ripped out in each of the last two games uh, with those buzzer beaters. Buzzer beater losses to Vanderbilt and also Missouri. Missouri made 14 threes against Tennessee in that win last Saturday. Alabama actually made nine threes. So again, the whole narrative about Alabama and making threes, Alabama didn't shoot a great percentage from three, but 37.5% isn't bad. It was actually higher than what Alabama shot from the field as a whole. You know, as kind of a reversal in some ways of what we saw at Auburn last Saturday. Auburn's two-point or field goal percentage was up over 56% in that win. Uh, From three, it wasn't very good. Uh, And Alabama makes nine threes in this game and still loses. Brandon Miller made three of those threes. Namari Burnett made three of his own. So you got two-thirds of the way to the nine with Miller and also Burnett. Uh, Brandon with 15 points, 10 rebounds, so it's a double-double. He fouls out late in the game. Jaden Bradley in 27 minutes of action. As far as Alabama's primary guys on the ball, Jaden was the most effective with just two turnovers on a night in which Alabama approached 20. Uh, He goes for 14, makes 10 of 14 from the free throw line. So Jaden attempted 14 of Alabama's 20 free throws that it got up on Wednesday night. And even Jaden, while he was able to keep the turnover numbers down at a critical point in the game with about three minutes to go, it's a 60-54 to game, Tennessee in front, Alabama with the basketball looking to close that deficit to two, maybe three, kind of summed up the night. Just sort of inexplicably, the ball goes off Jaden's leg and out of bounds and seemed to deflate Alabama a pretty good bit at that point and maybe lift a Tennessee team that, as we had seen in its previous two games, had struggled to close games, didn't allow Alabama to maintain the pressure on a Tennessee team that may have been dealing with some demons uh, otherwise. But, uh, you know, it was a turnover issue really across the board. It's not to to put any excessive blame or uh, throw any particular player under the bus, but Javon Quinterly now for the second straight game certainly had his struggles with six turnovers and 17 minutes of action. He did make one three. Uh, he had three assists, three rebounds. Noah Clowney got off to a good start, hit the three early, had a nice finish shortly thereafter. Uh, but that was about it for him from a scoring perspective. He had seven points. Like Brandon Miller, he had double-digit rebounds with 11 the bench we talked about, and reserve guards specifically, and we mentioned Javon and his struggles, um, and Namari making 3-3. So it was a mixed bag, and really 
for the first time in about five or six games, it was pretty quiet performance from Ryland Griffin, the freshman in 11 minutes of play, uh, takes the donut. He shut out, turns it over once, only got up one shot. That was a three that missed widely, uh, missed the mark by a wide margin. Uh, and again, just kind of one of those nights and one of those nights where on the road against a team that is connected on defense and likes to get physical. It wasn't a night in which you were going to probably benefit from a friendly whistle. And again, Alabama is too good of a basketball team to put too much on officials. It doesn't need to do that. It's capable of overcoming tough nights and maybe matchups that aren't ideal and situations, again, where newness on your roster probably came into play given the way Tennessee plays. And by the way, credit to Tennessee in the post because I think that was a big difference as well. As much as we'll talk about turnovers and and those things, um, Jonas Adu, um, Euros Plavsic, um, Olivier, Cam Hua, those guys made a difference in the game. And it was a limited rotation for Rick Barnes's team. Tyreek Key, a reserve guard, back to that theme, had come in on a heater. He had scored 37 points, I believe, in the previous two games off the bench. Alabama did a good job against him. He's a limited guy in terms of athleticism. Uh, he's 6'2", so Alabama's athleticism and length should have given him problems, and it seemingly did. He went one of nine from the field. Uh, but again, Plavsic, Camhua, Adu, the bigs for Tennessee – Combined for, gosh, it was 21, um, 31 points for those three posts. And they combined for, gosh, uh, 15, 19 rebounds. I'm not real good at the math. Can you tell? So uh, a, a big, big, important performance for those guys. You know, Charles Bediaco for Alabama on the other end. And speaking of front court options, uh, we knew going into the game that he was limited somewhat by a minor knee injury, as it was described by uh, Nate Oates before the game on Wednesday night. Charles tried to gut it out. He played 17 minutes. He had five rebounds, four points. He also turned it over three times. Did have a couple blocks. So I give Charles a lot of credit for his situation to be in there in battle as much as he did. Uh, it wasn't the kind of performance when we talk about bench posts like it was for Noah Gurley in Tuscaloosa against the Balls a year ago. Last season, Noah, in 31 minutes off the bench, went for 20-10 and 10 against the Balls. In 11 minutes this time around, he scores three points, he commits three fouls, has one rebound. So, as much as anything, as much as it hurts Alabama fans, you got to credit Tennessee you got to understand that going into this, it was going to be a game that was in all likelihood going to be an absolute grinder. Uh, and it can be, again, a good learning experience for this Alabama team because there are teams that you could see and most likely will. There's going to be at least one game like this in the NCAA tournament where you're not able to get the game into the 80s or maybe the mid to high 70s even. And you're going to have to gut one out. And you're going to have to grind one out, a game in the 60s, like Alabama did against Mississippi State uh, in Tuscaloosa a couple of weeks ago. And again, like you possibly might have to coming up in early March when you make that trip to Texas A&M to take on the Aggies. 
in College Station. But when you look ahead right now, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the first defeat in conference play. But the reality is, if this halftime score in College Station holds up from tonight, you're still looking at maintaining a two-game lead in the SEC. And when you consider the schedule that's still there for Alabama, you come back home on Saturday for a five-central tip against the Georgia Bulldogs on the SEC network. Now, Georgia's won a couple in a row. Eked past LSU on Tuesday night, so that wasn't exactly a thing of beauty. The Dogs, though, last weekend did take out Kentucky at home. For Alabama, you've got that home game on Saturday. Should still be a big, big crowd. If you want to see the top-ranked team in the country, you need to make it happen Saturday when the Bulldogs visit. From there, Alabama goes to South Carolina, one of the worst teams in the SEC by a good bit. Next Wednesday, make that trip to Columbia. Then you come back home a week from Saturday, and you're talking about an Arkansas team with Nick Smith the outstanding freshman, the potential lotto pick like a Brandon Miller that you didn't see the first time around that you very well might see uh, this next time, a week from Saturday. That will be a one central tip on February the 25th. And then the return date with the rival Auburn Tigers in a couple of three Wednesdays uh, in Tuscaloosa. And then again, it's that trip to Texas A&M. So take care of home court. Get that road win at South Carolina, one of the worst teams in the SEC, if not the worst team in the SEC. And then it very well might be that you're playing with house money where the SEC regular season championship is concerned when you go to Texas A&M on March 4th. Not ideal, not ideal to lose to Tennessee in anything. I know how Alabama fans think. But bigger picture Everything that this team wants to achieve is very much still on the table. And with that, we're going to step away from the table on the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Certainly appreciate you joining us here and certainly appreciate you joining us at BamaOnline.com. We had Charlie Potter with boots on the ground coverage from Knoxville. So continue to check out his updates with us there at BamaOnline.com. And, of course, post-game reaction You can let it all out. Well, just about all of it out. At the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe, right there with us at BamaOnline.com. We've got our full staff ready to keep you informed. Charlie, you got our site publisher, Tim Watts, Hank South, the legendary Kirk McNair as well. So much for you at BamaOnline.com. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, the Bama Online Podcast, we certainly hope you'll consider doing that as well. If you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would certainly appreciate that as well. Travis Ryer, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 